Welcome back to ACHC's Beyond the Standard. Today, I am joined by Tim Craig, who is Vice President and Chief Content Director at Lincoln Healthcare Leadership. Beyond the Standard is produced by Accreditation Commission for Healthcare. ACHC supports quality improvement and patient safety by offering education and accreditation services that span the continuum of care. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent official policy or positions of the company or companies with which the participants are affiliated. Tim, I'm hoping we can start by having you tell me a little bit about your company. Yeah, well, Angela, thanks for having me. And I'd be happy to tell you about Lincoln. So we have been around for about 23 years, um, and that will sort of figure into our conversation because it speaks volumes for the inroads that we've made uh, in home care. But from a bigger perspective, um, you know, our space is the senior care space. And uh, whether it's facility-based or home-oriented, um, we have been covering the senior care space for about uh, 23 years. And uh, we have conferences that fill uh, all of those different areas, long-term care and senior living, um, but most importantly, home care. And, and in fact, very recently in the last couple of years, we've made a, a strong move into home care. And now our overall portfolio of offerings includes conferences, as well as something that we call the intelligence groups, which is basically a, around the year um, light consulting service uh, where we bring people together for content and connections, and then some light consulting where we help people um, with their business objectives. And so Home Care 100 is, is a big part of that um, and has been around for 20 years. And Home Care 100 is how um, your organization is connected with ACHC. We have been uh, one of the sponsoring organizations there. And it's a little bit, um, I don't know if I want to say unusual, but it is not a typical conference and exhibit trade show kind of setup. Um, tell us a little bit about how you structured the conference um, and what it's who attends it and, and what its goals are. Yeah, that's great. Um, so within our organization, we have something that we call the 100 model. Um, LTC 100 and certainly Home Care 100 are two of the strongest examples of that 100 model. And you mentioned the word trade show, um, which factors greatly into a, a lot of our dialogue, not because we are a trade show, but because we often think of ourselves as the anti-trade show. Um, when someone asks us, you know, how much booth space do we have? We know our work is cut out for us to, to explain to them that what we're all about is giving C-level executives in whatever respective area they're in, the opportunity to get away with other like-minded C-level executives and their vendor partners for several days of intense focus around education and networking. Um, we like to think of ourselves as strategy, leadership, and innovation. Um, and when we put the program together and we get the right people, um, that's worked out very well for us because people do see that as an opportunity to get away to a nice location um, where they may want to bring their spouses and, and our 100 programs all have spouse programs as well to really escape the day-to-day -day and focus on, you know, who are the people and the strategies that we know are going to be the most important for driving us forward uh, in the years to come. 
So it sounds a little bit like it's a, um, a forest and trees situation where on a day-to-day -day basis, these senior executives are very much you know, down in the trenches and solving the immediate problems of their organizations. And this is an opportunity for them to look bigger picture um, at an overall strategy and, and collaborate with, with other people in the industry to learn about where they have commonalities and what kinds of um, new ideas others are being able to implement. Um, is that kind of the, the gist of it? Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Um, we like to often think of ourselves as serving content that is squarely aligned with the 10% most progressive, and then everything else um, has somewhat of an aspirational draw. Who doesn't want to be associated with the 10% that is leading the industry? And that's not really a, a, um, a steadfast rule. It's more of an internal um, dialogue that we use, but it works. It serves us well. Well, so your most recent Home Care 100 event was in February um, in um, Scottsdale, I believe. Um, and I have to assume that the COVID-19 pandemic was a big topic of discussion at that event. Can you tell me some of the, um, the, the key areas that leaders were focused on discussing there? Yeah, so to say that COVID was a, a big part of it um, you know, it, it's, it's very hard to get out of the shadow of COVID, especially since um, some would argue that we're still in that shadow. Um, although we're getting out of it um, very quickly, I like to say that it's getting in our rearview mirror exponentially fast, um, and that's a good thing. But to your question around the degree to which COVID um, influenced the content, I'd say certainly on the staffing level, there's no doubt about the fact that everyone is still reeling from um, uh, staffing shortages, and that is a direct consequence of COVID. And that's probably the single most important factor for this industry, uh, because ultimately where staffing pressures existed in 2019 prior to the pandemic, they're now a C-level priority for the very simple reason that um, people are precluded from pursuing their growth objectives because of staffing shortages. I think the other piece um, around the pandemic that is very important to take into consideration is that when we talk about both the tailwinds and the headwinds that are facing this industry, there's no doubt about the fact that the pandemic, despite some of the apparent headwinds, also created quite a few tailwinds for this industry in the sense that when nursing homes and many assisted living facilities were prevented from onboarding patients, those patients needed care in their home. And I can think of no industry that benefited more in the last couple of years than say the personal care industry that really had somewhat of a coming of age moment when organizations or, or individuals rather who would probably have pursued care in an independent living facility or an assisted living facility actually had that care delivered for them in their homes um, and they came to the realization that they could and and maybe that sort of um, helped accelerate um, this industry and there are other examples that, that I you know we can get into. Well, so, so one of the questions that comes to my mind, are most home care recipients 
um, are they finding home care on their own or is it still primarily a referral based business? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, so first we probably should back up and say, what do we mean by home care? So as the name of home care 100 would suggest, you might think that we're only um, the non-clinical side when in fact, Home Care 100 really is three separate audiences, home health, sort of Medicare certified home health, um, personal care, which for the most part is private pay, private duty, um, and then of course hospice. And, and so to answer your question, I think it really depends on kind of what bucket you're, you're talking about. Certainly there is a prescribed home health episode, and then there is a sort of free market, if you will, um, highly marketed personal care, um, and and more and more of those two worlds are are combining. And of course, hospice is is a prescribed um, set of care. Well, and I I have to think that it it might be that prescribed that referred care um, that accelerated most during COVID because, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but the reason that I'm intuiting that is because I know that for the hospital seg sector, there's been a lot of discussion about how the pandemic, when they were all stretched so thin and, you know, at capacities, really accelerated the trend toward looking for opportunities to provide um, acute care in other environments and whether it related to digital health and remote patient monitoring for chronic conditions or whether it was, well, we can take somebody who has presented at urgent care with something that, that you know, might have warranted admission. Instead, we want them to go home and, and get the kind of skilled care at home that you were talking about. Um, those things that were maybe trending slightly before the pandemic really ramped up. So, you know, it's funny, before we get into a conversation around replacing acute care in the hospital, I think there's another uh, perhaps more um, obvious phenomenon that is a phenomenon that existed prior to the pandemic. If you had, or if anyone had attended Home Care 100 in 2017, 2018, 2019, you probably would have heard us talk about skip the sniff as a phenomenon, because as early as some of the um, you know orthopedic bundles, we started to see a very significant phenomenon of previous sniff level care migrating into the home. Mm -hmm. Then with the closing down of a lot of skilled nursing facilities, I think that's where we really saw a lot of care migrate into the home, or as you say, prescribed to the home. Um, and I'm not even sure that it's necessarily at the level of a higher acuity of care, perhaps higher acuity than, than maybe um, the home health agencies had seen before, mm -hmm. but not yet at the level of acute care replacement. Um, and that really is a phenomenon that many believe um, is going to stay. It has staying power for a lot of reasons. Um, it has staying power mostly because I think people came to the realization that there are a whole new host of potential previous sniff level care 
um, uh, rehab um, episodes that can now go into the home. Then to your question around, you know, the, the replacement of acute care, absolutely. I mean, what have we seen in the last couple of years? We've seen two phenomenon arise. One is the birth of SNF at home as a standalone um, real entity, which may now have its own reimbursement mechanism. And then, of course, we've seen in the last two years, we've seen the rise um, and growth of what is often referred to as hospital at home. Um, and those are two very different things. So, so not to conflate the two, one is um, rehab essentially in the home, and the other is some form of acute care that alleviates hospital capacity um, and, and migrates care into the home. Well, and even as we've seen care, um, surgical care moving into ambulatory surgery centers, you know, out of hospitals and into outpatient settings, um, what is subsequent to, to that is rehab in the home and care in the home. So once you have had that experience and, you know, the, using the term that I've been using and it was prescribed, in the future, if there were another situation where there was an opportunity, um, it it might become more patient-driven than provider-driven from a patient who has had a previous experience. Yeah, so it's really interesting. If you were to line up a list of all of the most common rehab episodes that take place in a skilled nursing facility, and, and you looked at a 30-year time span, you could start to see, maybe starting as, as far back as 10 years from now and going 20 years into the future, you could start to see how more and more of those episodes are going to be treated within the home. It's going to take time because it's, it's a learned behavior. You know, you, you can't just flip a switch and say that someone who up until a certain point was really just sort of a home health aide trained for a certain level of care that suddenly is going to be able to take a CHF patient. But when you start to look at that, slowly but surely, that shift, which is well underway, is going to continue to progress. And then in addition to orthopedic you know, hips and knees, we're going to start to see COPD and, and, and um, other more common ailments um, that are going to be treated in the home, without a doubt. Right. Well, so aside from staffing pressures, um, what other kinds of um, keeping me up at night kinds of things were discussed at this year's Home Care 100? Yeah, I, so I, I think that um, a lot of what we're talking about right now is falls under the general umbrella of um, higher acuity in the home. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that if that was a theme that cut across a, a lot of conversations, it is the degree to which this industry is ready for, for high acuity. Um, and it's one thing to talk about it, the way in which it figures on a spreadsheet. So, so an actuarial might say it makes a lot of sense because it's a lower cost setting. It's another thing to say, is the industry ready for that? There's a staffing component, there's an education component, and then there's also the very, very big component of whether the upstream entities are ready for that themselves. Um, are the hospitals ready to discharge patients directly into the home? Are MA plans ready to discharge patients directly into the home? Um, we, we can often sit around and talk about how 
we're ready or we think we're ready, um, but it takes much more than just a single entity or even an entire industry to say we're ready for it. The, the greater healthcare continuum needs to be ready for it. And I do think there are signs that it's starting to move in that direction. So how do home care agencies, for example, um, how, how do they interact with hospitals? How do they build those relationships? And, and is that something that they're doing now? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, when I, going back to my comment earlier about the 10%, um, typically what you would put into that 10% of most progressive organizations are those um, that have stood up some form of value-based care arrangements in the last 10 years because they understand that directionally that's where healthcare is going, but it also is dipping your toe in the water and you could sort of fill in the blank with whatever it is that, that you want. Um, ACOs, direct contracting, bundled payments was one. What are the things that get an organization aligned with value going forward, both culturally and clinically? Um, and I think it's really important to see that a lot of the organizations that are establishing the best relationships and the most trusted relationships with both health systems and payers are those that have demonstrated that they understand the fundamentals of a value-based construct. It doesn't mean that that's always what the health system is looking for. Um, sometimes a health system that is working in a fee-for-service system that's looking for an organization and a fee-for-service system, they're just looking for good quality care. And so it's not like that has gone away. You know, who performs well and arguably better and more consistently uh, than the competition? Um, but I do think there's definitely um, a component um, that, that demonstrates that, that these organizations understand where care is going and what they need to do to bring value. We often use that phrase, what is the value of a home health agency? You know, it never gets lost on us that the rest of the world in healthcare often um, measures success by top line growth. And home health doesn't measure success necessarily by top line growth. They measure success by value creation. And value creation is a very, very important phenomenon when you're trying to win over um, a, a partner like a, a health system or an MA plan to understand what they need in terms of value creation and how you fit into that puzzle. That's really interesting because on the accreditation side, we also are often asking internally, you know, what is the value of accreditation? Of course, we believe that it is creating a framework for an organization um, to establish a culture of quality and, and of ongoing improvement. Um, but that's just it. We're, as you've just described, we're always looking at the markets that we're serving and asking ourselves, what can we do to solve problems in collaboration with these organizations to make both of us better? Um, so this has been a very interesting conversation for me, and I've actually learned quite a lot from you, Tim. Thank you so much. I, 
we've talked a lot about kind of the, the business aspect of home care. And um, I wonder if you could just kind of close us out by answering a question about what makes this industry special? Does it attract a different kind of, um, of nurse, for example, or um, you know, what is it that is so unique about home care as, a, as an industry segment? So there, there are two things that come to mind right off, right off the, out of the gate. Um, the first is um, that, you know, we often talk about where the patient wants to have care. And, and I think that when you juxtapose the home and, and the health system, the hospital, it's a good illustration of how stark the difference is. No one wants to go to a hospital. No one ever wants to go to a hospital, um, with rare exceptions. Perhaps uh, childbirth is one example where you say, I want the peace of mind of knowing that I'm secure. But no one wants to go to a hospital, and, and everyone would like to think that they could have care in their home. They don't have to leave their home. So you have that aspect, and more and more as every year goes by, we're seeing the ways in which the clinical capabilities, the technology capabilities are starting to align to allow for that to come to fruition. People in not too distant future are going to be able to have a higher degree of care in the home. It's really exciting. It's, it's exciting to think that you illustrated before the example of a, a knee surgery or a hip surgery rehab. But it's, it's going to come a time where it's going to be much more than that. It's going to be a common CHF rehab or, or something else. The second piece that I would say um, makes it very exciting for this industry is that there is a phenomenon cutting across all workforces in all industries, but certainly in healthcare, where the rule of the day is flexibility. You want to be able to create some degree of flexibility and there's probably nothing that allows for greater flexibility for the employee than to be able to sort of set their own times and set their own schedule. And so when you think about someone who wants to get in two hour shift on one day and a five hour shift on another day and perhaps fit it in between their three other jobs, this allows for that. Now, of course, the onus is now on the home health agencies to accommodate that. And, and I think when, especially when you know the ways in which some of the other industries work in senior care, you come to realize that that is a really big opportunity for this industry because not everyone views the workforce through the same lens of flexibility. Um, and so I'd say that that's, uh, that's another big, a big piece that makes um, really exciting for this industry right now. One of the things that um, caught my ear, especially when you said everybody would prefer to to receive care at home and i don't know that that is intuitively true and unless you really think about that moment when you move from being you know just an individual in the world to a patient that is a shift to a, a level of vulnerability that is really challenging for many, many people. And so to your point, being able to remain at home 
where you feel as if you have some control of your environment, just from you know a patient-centeredness perspective, um, that's really important. And so I can see where this this type of offering really plays into that notion of patient-centeredness. You know, I probably should have conditioned that comment by saying um, some of them may not know it yet, and it's sort of analogous to the first time you have a telehealth visit and you come to realize, wow, that was that was really easy and actually quite good. And I think I'm going to do a lot more of that. Um, I don't think most people appreciate that until they've done it. And so over the course of time, this ex this pandemic being one example where a lot of people were exposed to and experienced home care. Um, once you have had that revelation, then you start sort of thinking to yourself, boy, it'd be really nice if if every time I needed to see my doctor, my doctor came to me. I mean, that's it's a real phenomenon that's happening right now. You know, it's, it sounds it sounds a little antiquated, but there's an entire industry of in-home physician services that, for so many reasons, the alignment of payment and and clinical care and what have you, um, that that that's coming back. And um, I think it's it's another example of the ways in which care delivered in the home is, uh, is is really taking off. You know, I might close with one thing, um, and that is, it has also not gotten lost on us that just because home health agencies um, have owned this domain for so long, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna own this domain forever. There are a lot of entities that are trying to get into the home Physicians being one, um, but you know, you just sort of scan the 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 healthcare industry, and you can start looking at all new emerging private equity-backed concepts that are trying to get into the home. Um, CVS trying to get into the home, Amazon trying to get into the home. A lot of people are starting to wake up to the the fact that care delivery in the home is not necessarily the guaranteed purview of traditional home health providers. So, so there's definitely a need to, to reinvent um, and stay relevant. And that's a big part of sort of the innovation component of what we believe uh, we can help uh, organizations fulfill at, at any one of our, our conferences. Well, Tim Craig, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been a really enlightening conversation and um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. It was my pleasure, thank you. Beyond the Standard is a production of Accreditation Commission for Healthcare, providers of accreditation services for a wide range of community-based healthcare providers, including home health, pharmacy, demi-pose, home infusion therapy, behavioral health, palliative care, hospice, and renal dialysis, as well as hospitals, laboratories, and ambulatory surgery centers. Each episode of Beyond the Standard takes a look at an impactful idea for healthcare provider organizations. We're especially interested in those that help organizations improve as they seek to meet the needs of their communities and the patients that depend on them. ACHC is by providers for providers. Before you go, share your feedback by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our schedule so you don't miss upcoming episodes. For more information about ACHC accreditation, visit achc.org. While you're there, you can subscribe to this podcast and sign up for our newsletters.